Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you this day. Amen. Today we begin a new series in this Pentecost season. As I mentioned at the beginning of our service today, this is the day we remember Pentecost, 50 days since the resurrection, celebration of Easter, which in um, Jesus' day was already a celebration. The, the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks is how it's described biblically. <clears throat> so that's why people were gathered in Jerusalem in the area near the temple when God kept the promise for the Spirit to be poured out. So when we think of Pentecost, most of the time we think of the Spirit of God being poured out into the lives of the disciple and the birth of the church. So this month we're going to look at the work of the Spirit, and that'll be our series for the month of June. We've probably all seen it on the news, heard about it, read about it, outside a courtroom or another place of authority, people carrying signs maybe, sometimes a megaphone, marching with the idea, the the goal to bring attention to a situation where there's not been justice, or at least in the view of the people who've gathered. And the words that are often said, and I tried to look for the origin of this as a, as a, I don't know, catchphrase, slogan, chant, no justice, no peace. It goes back at least as far as 1986, Um, so for a long time. No justice, no peace, those words have been said, and we've heard them, and we've seen those events, and we've seen those protests, and there have probably, likely, been times in that those words have resonated with us, where we've seen injustice, where we've seen something where there's not peace. And there's not a lot of peace, it feels like. I don't want to change those words today for our meditation from no justice, no peace, to no Jesus, no peace. The world cannot offer lasting peace. John chapter 14, when Jesus talks about giving peace, he says, not as the world gives. And we can recognize that, right? Because what's been in the news lately? For more than three months now, a war raging in Ukraine and Russia and that invasion and all the things that have fallen out from that, all the dominoes that have fallen because of that invasion. You know what? Gas prices, food prices, and, and various impacts that that has made just in the economy, in addition to the idea that there are people who have massive weapons whom we can't really feel that comfortable with. You know, what's Vladimir going to do? And it's a concern. And is it going to spread? And is it going to continue? And how long and how likely is the impact here. And so the feeling of peace when there is no peace is fleeting. There's other conflicts as well between people groups, but that's not all. Conflicts between individuals that spill over into various episodes that we hear about, that we read about. We've had pandemic-related complications now for well over two years. Things that affect us on a daily basis. Things that impact our lives because of this time that we're living in. 
We had a graduation party for Jeannie yesterday, and after the fact, someone who was there went home, felt a little under the weather, and tested positive. And there it is. Now we have that feeling of, what if it happens? What if we get sick? What if somebody else gets sick who was there? At the, and what if we pass it on? And how does this, now what do we do? And our peace gets taken away. And then there's the news events about another mass casualty event that took place yesterday. Another one. And I read a statistic that there have been more than four a week in 2022 of those kinds of events. More than four a week. Well over 200. We're not even halfway through the year. What is going on? It's this lack of peace, this brokenness in the world and in the lives of people in the world that's spilling over into all these events and just the conflict and the angst and the feeling, the tension, the anger, and how that all plays out. Because we do live with brokenness. Relationships are hard. Stress of all kinds affects us. And after we talked about that last week, Paula reminded me that it's not only that, it's also the heartbreak of things that we've lost out on, things that we haven't gotten to do. All the graduations that didn't happen the last couple of years, all the events that didn't take place, all the weddings that were supposed to happen and had to, well, even Kip and Ivy and their son Noah, who got married um, yesterday, and, you know, had to do it over Zoom from the backyard because positive tests and can't expose people and we can't gather everybody we were going to gather and all of that. And how much loss have we experienced and how much have we had to give up because? Because we're living in this time. And how difficult has it been? And then there's what's going on in the market and in the finances and in inflation and in the gas prices and... Ugh, where do you turn? And then we see sinful selfishness on full display so often. All kinds of people who in, in the desire for getting ahead, getting what's needed, doing what I want to do, etc., etc., who just do whatever they want to do, feel like doing, and in that selfishness it spills over into hurt of others? Have you struggled lately to find peace? Maybe I didn't say your reason. (laughs) It's still completely valid because peace is hard to come by. You know that song, Peaceful, Easy Feeling? How easy is that feeling? For I think most of us, a lot of us, maybe many of us or almost all of us, The feeling of peace has been fleeting at best. Definitely not easy to feel. And even followers of Jesus can find peace fleeting. Those disciples on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, we get the idea, I mean, they're, they're gathered in one place, and it's still, I think, in the time of we're not sure, right, for the disciples, after the resurrection of Jesus, right, they were, they were kind of hiding out. Well, after the crucifixion, for sure. So Jesus finds them, you know, huddled up in the upper room in fear. And a week later, they're still there when he comes back again. That's in the whole Thomas episode, right? And, and then they go for a time, and it seems like things maybe are getting better. And, but who knows? And like, what are they really 
doing, and I think they're still unsure what comes next, where we go, what do we do, and then Pentecost comes, and the Spirit gets poured out, and then, right, what a catalyst. But up to this point, are they feeling comfortable? Are they feeling peaceful? There's still some fear, I think, involved. And for us, even as followers of Jesus, we live in a world that's subject to sin, to all these things that we've talked about and all this that still affects us because we still live here, right? We're in the world, not of the world. That, you know, that's biblical. But we're still in the world. So we're not going to run off to some secluded place and, and have the commune. People have tried that. But that's not what God calls us to. So we're still in this world. We're still subject to sin and we still sin ourselves because this is a condition we can't rid ourselves of, a sinful condition within us that exhibits itself in all these same kind of ways, all this sinful selfishness that we try to push down, we try to control, but occasionally boils over. We're still subject to hardships. Our lives are still complicated. So we can become tempted to chase what looks like an opportunity to find peace. To see someone else who maybe looks peaceful, looks contented. There's an ex- a cliche, the grass is greener on the other side. And when we see somebody that maybe looks like they have it put all together, maybe we might try to figure it out. What are they doing? Where can we turn? Where do we look for peace or search for meaning? There's an awful lot of opportunities and temptations toward temporary relief. Temporary relief. Get away from it all. Escape. Maybe turn to some kind of self-medicating substance. And there's opportunities to do that that abound. Or we substitute other things to to salve our wounds or our burdens. And relationships are replaced by temporary ones, and we maybe spend money we don't have. And even as followers of Jesus, all those things are around us, and all those things tempt us, and we're pulled and drawn, and a lot of times those roads end up in emptiness. But Jesus promises us peace. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is talking to his disciples. This is before the crucifixion in John 14. He's anticipating it already. So toward the end of that reading, I'm not going to talk with you much longer, Jesus is telling his disciples. This is chapter 14, right? So we still have a few chapters left, but there's not a lot of time. And the way John's gospel is laid out, there's a whole lot of teaching that that is like right before crucifixion, resurrection. So it's in that time of teaching and preparing his disciples that Jesus says, I'm not going to talk to you much longer, but know this. My peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Huh. Wow. 
that's a great promise for us because in this brokenness and in this burdensome existence in this world and all of its troubles, Jesus gives us peace. My peace I leave with you. And his grace covers us. His grace covers us for our sin, so we have peace with God. At the beginning of the reading was Jesus talking about, we will come to you. We will make our home with you. Jesus dwells within us by the power of the Spirit in a way that should give us a great deal of peace because his grace covers us and forgives us of our sin. So we have peace with God, an abundant peace that the world can't give and can't find. Let's understand how that sets the stage for everything else. Because the peace of Jesus working in our lives begins with that, the forgiveness of our sin. I mean, that's where the brokenness all stems from, right? We rewind all the way to the fall, to the Adam and Eve consuming the forbidden fruit, and that's a brokenness that has rippled through the life of every single person has affected each one of us, has affected cultures and societies, and that sinful condition that we still continue to bear, Jesus paid for. And the sins that we've committed because of our nature, but also in our weakness through the choices that we've made, Jesus forgives that. And so we have a relationship with God that's everlasting, that's covered by his love, that's a life of forgiveness that was earned for us by his death on the cross. His grace is a gift. His peace is a gift. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, well, my peace I give to you as long as. Certain conditions may apply. Read the fine print before you sign the contract. None of that. It's a gift. My peace I give to you. Our eternity is guaranteed. Our sins are forgiven. Our burden is lifted. And so we can trust in him. We can trust in his promises. We can rely on him to give us peace. In our hardships, in our fears, in our stresses, in our burdens. Not that it's easy. It's still not a peaceful, easy feeling. Because all those voices and all those issues and all those burdens, we can so often pick them up and carry them around. We can trust in him. We can lean into the peace of Jesus. Take a deep breath. Even if you're wearing a mask, it's a little harder. But God's got peace for us. And far too often we pull it back, right? We pull back control. We pull back the desire to do things or turn elsewhere. All the things that we do... Instead of looking for other sources, for relief, for comfort. We don't have to be afraid. And that's what Jesus says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let, neither let them be afraid. Trouble and fear, stress, all the ways we want to label it, all the words we want to put on it, Jesus answers those with the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is our comforter. Back up one verse to verse 26. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The King James Version translates helper as comforter. The Revised Standard Version as counselor. That's the version I grew up with, so that's the Bible I had when I was a kid. Counselor. NIV translates it advocate. So here's one of those words biblically that gets translated in several different ways, depending on what version you're looking at. I remember learning comforter a long time ago. The Greek word behind that is paraclete or parakletos to pronounce it in Greek. And it's actually kind of like a defense attorney. Um, one who pleads another's cause, an advocate. Which we can understand the spirit as advocate. But today I want to focus in, or, or just view the spirit of God as our comforter. Because don't we need comfort so much right now? For a number of years, when, when um, we got a, a bedroom set for Max when he was probably, I don't know, six or seven years old, he had a comforter. I think there were, were there curtains with it? The one that was kind of like plaid on the inside? The one he just wore out. <laughs> yeah. I think there were curtains or something. There, there was a few pieces with it. But he had this comforter. And he loved that comforter. He, he would carry it around the house sometimes. He would bring it out to the couch and wrap up in it. And he just used it until it was threadbare on the bottom side. And it just was disintegrating until we were finally like, okay, you, you've got your, we've got our money's worth from this, right? It's time to go. Ten years or whatever of this comforter. He was sad because the feeling of that fabric and um, just the... Have you had one, something like that? Maybe it's not a blanket or a, you know, some bedding or whatever, but even like a comfortable piece of clothing, something that just makes you, that, that wraps around you and makes you feel. It's a level of comfort that, like, what is it about that? Just a couple nights ago, he slept over at our house and, um, because he was on this side of town and Ashley was out of town, so why well, go home? He had to be here uh, the following morning, so... He got out a, a sleeping bag that we've had for 20-some years, and he put it on the couch, and um, he was like, oh, this is just the perfect fabric. It's, it's kind of pilly, and it's like um, so comfortable. And he was talking about that too. The Spirit of God wraps around us in a way that's like that, that's, that gives us a comfort in a way that maybe it's, it's kind of hard to put into words and it's kind of hard to understand. The way that the Spirit comforts us, we need comfort. What Jesus promises is that the Spirit teaches us. That we can learn from the Spirit. In the words he said, it was, you know, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The remembrance of what Jesus said was important for the disciples, right? These guys, you know, heard from Jesus day after day after day for this, like only three-year time frame, right, that the ministry of Jesus was happening and the disciples were with him, or roughly three years. And um, a lot of times we look back at the things that Jesus was saying to the disciples and we realize 
They did not understand that in that moment. And the, the men who wrote the Gospels, and even Luke, who, whom we believe investigated and, and talked to the other disciples to write his account, they had to remember what Jesus said. And I wonder how many aha moments those guys had. Where they were like, ah. And the spirit at work within them would teach them these things, would remind them of the things Jesus said, would help them to understand in a new and a different way how what Jesus said applies. You ever have that moment where the word of God hits you in a new and different way? Words that you've heard maybe a bunch of times, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that means now in this stage of my life something different from what it meant before. That happens too. It happens still. Because the, the Word of God is uh, spirit-breathed, which means it's living and active. And so it can impact us in new and different ways. Even the same words on the page with the same meaning can hit us in a new and a different way by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit teaches us. The Spirit leads us. You know, fast forward, jump ahead to John chapter 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. But he will, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. Spirit leads, Spirit guides. The work of the Spirit in our lives can guide us as we look at the lives of Jesus' apostles as they went. The Spirit would lead them. And the Spirit would keep them from going other places. The Spirit can guide our lives as well. Our plans, our future. Martin Luther in the small catechism writes about the third article of the creed. And he says that the Spirit of God calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies. And we can unpack all those words. We're not going to spend the time on that right now. But the Spirit of God calls us and gathers us, teaches us, enlightens, right? Sets us aside, makes us into God's people. This is what the Spirit does and leads us in our lives. But not only that, the Spirit intercedes for us. As our advocate before the Father, as the one who, like our defense attorney, pleads on our behalf, the Spirit intercedes and he does that also in our prayer. Romans chapter 8, Apostle Paul writes these words, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. This is what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit does all these things, and in that, we can be at peace. We can be at peace knowing that we're forgiven. We can be at peace knowing that the Spirit of God is working in us, leading us and guiding us in our lives. Even in this broken, difficult, complicated world, in our own broken and difficult and complicated lives, the Spirit of God working in us, promised by Jesus, can give us peace. Amen.